Welcome to Let's Chat Dental with Anne Budenberg. In this series, we're going to be talking about dental careers and squiggly careers in the UK. But of course, don't forget to like, rate and review this episode. So I'm joined by Jenny Russ, who qualified in 2019 from Manchester Dental Hospital. And after completing dental foundation training in 2020, she returned to Manchester Dental Hospital uh, to take up a dental core training post and is currently now in dental core training two in Chester. So welcome, Jenny. And um, perhaps we could just go back to the end of foundation training year in 2020, a COVID year as well. And if you could maybe introduce yourself and just describe what you've done since then. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me uh, on the podcast. Um, So 2020 was obviously a bit of a crazy year for everyone, to be honest. So coming to the end of my foundation training job in Liverpool, um, it was a very strange time having spent a lot of time um, doing phone triaging throughout the the early months of the pandemic. as I was kind of nearing the end of that year, I'd applied to dental core training um, and I had applied to practice jobs as well um, because everything was so uncertain at the time. Um, and um, uh, and all of the recruitment actually was very delayed for dental core training. But um, I was uh, very, very fortunate to get my first choice of job for my DCT one year, which was the Manchester Dental Hospital post in paediatric dentistry, orthodontics and oral surgery. Um, so I then went on to complete that job for a year, which I absolutely loved. Um, it kind of really highlighted to me that uh, kind of my main passion my main area lies within paediatric dentistry but um, kind of this year allowed me to develop skills in all sorts of different areas um, kind of clinically uh, in kind of other areas like quality improvement Um, and so that was a fantastic kind of introduction to dental core training following that um, I'm now halfway through my dental core training two job uh, in the Countess of Chester doing six months of MaxFax and then I'm heading off to Liverpool Dental Hospital shortly. It's very exciting time actually um, because you don't quite know what you're getting into when you start those jobs. No absolutely not. And I know everyone's always bothered about you know am I going to de-skill when I go and do that job in the hospital because I'm not going to be doing certain other aspects of dentistry. Um, So how did you decide on your DCT1 post? So um, I do think, like you say, it's important to consider kind of aspects like uh, de-skilling because that is something that a lot of people do kind of flag. And I think people that know they definitely want to go into dental practice. Uh, some people may see it as kind of a deviation from, from a career plan. But for me, I, I felt that I had a lot more to learn still and that um, I definitely wanted to explore the options of, of more kind of specialty practice. And uh, for me personally, I definitely don't think I de-skilled and actually definitely massively improved my skills uh, and gained a much broader area of um, practice to to work on, um, particularly in that DCT one year. Uh, One of the kind of areas I worked a lot in was paediatric dentistry and I undertook uh, many inhalation sedation cases with with supervision. uh, kind of more advanced endodontic treatments, including uh, root end um, 
uh, root canal treatments um, and kind of management of more complex dental trauma. So if anything, I really was able to develop and, and it, in, you know, um, expand my horizons in terms of my clinical practice. So um, I do think it's something to consider when you consider a job and, and some jobs you may have less clinical experience than others, but I do think that that often, if if you put yourself out there, there are definitely a lot of things that you can learn, and it's you might learn slightly different skills compared to if you were in practice. But um, I, I definitely did not feel that I de-skilled in any way at all. No, I mean it sounds very much as though you upskilled. Yeah. Um, so you absolutely. weren't doing obviously adult um, treatments, but no. you were you were doing you know you really were focusing on an area which you wouldn't have touched on in practice too much no um, absolutely and and even kind of areas um like for example extractions on children I think in in dental practice uh quite often it's an area where where practitioners are quite nervous to to undertake extractions on pediatric patients because maybe kind of lacking in experience at at undergraduate level or um so often it's it's lacking the communication skills or just the experience and confidence to undertake those sorts of treatments so um kind of looking at from that point of view I, I would have so much more confidence in those areas now that I maybe wouldn't develop those skills in a practice setting yeah no so um you mentioned sedation and you know some other aspects so what what would be sort of a typical week in that you know first dct1 job yeah so my week was quite varied and and my uh job actually was on a kind of weekly rotation so that um, I would spend, for example, a a morning doing an inhalation sedation clinic within the paediatric dentistry department. And then I I would spend the afternoon in the oral surgery clinic doing some consultations and consenting patients Um, and uh, kind of other areas like shadowing and assisting with orthodontic treatment, um, spending sessions in theatre, which was very interesting. I spent sessions at the uh, Royal Manchester Children's Hospital um so seeing um kind of patients with all sorts of additional kind of medical uh, and complex social needs as well um and so yeah I, I was very fortunate that that job was incredibly varied and I think that's definitely something to consider when looking at the individual DCT posts because they they can be incredibly different um and it I think the best thing to do is try and speak to people who've done them before to really get a feel for what the individual job might entail and and what that typical week might look like. Yeah, so I know there is a description of all the um, rotations that you can do, um, but sometimes job descriptions don't always totally match. And so I don't know whether that was something you found or, you know, how did, did the reality match your expectations yeah so I I think you're right it's definitely not always what it says on the tin Um, and so I was quite fortunate in that I'd spoken to people who'd worked in in these sorts of jobs before in Manchester Dental Hospital so I was able to kind of gain quite a good understanding of what what I was going into and entering into before before doing that job but um, I do think that from the descriptions it can be really challenging because 
they don't give you all that much information. They may kind of give you the hours that you'd be working um, and the the broad areas that you might be covering, but kind of not explicitly telling you, you know, how much hands-on experience you might get, um, kind of what the balance is between consultations and actual treatment that you'd be undertaking. So I, I do think it's challenging to go based off the descriptions alone. And, and so if you are able to speak to people, then I think that people are the best source of information. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. And um, and of course, those jobs change as well. So probably you need to speak to someone who's just finished doing it or is already in the job, because if they've done yeah. it three years ago, it might be quite a different um, position. So obviously, you've learned a lot, you've upskilled. But that's one thing that can either put people off a job or you know, encourage them to do it is the hours. So in terms of what, you know, was that a Monday to Friday job? Was there any on call? So for my DCT one job, there was no on call commitment. Um, we did sometimes have to start early for theatre sessions, generally in hospital kind of rule of thumb is theatre start at about eight um uh, so you have to be there to be able to clerk the patients in so do the paperwork the consent forms beforehand so sometimes there were some early morning starts but um for the most part it was a it was a nine to five job which was which was very nice um the job i'm in now does have on-call commitments and um it is it is more challenging doing kind of longer days and longer hours but i guess some of the perks are that um you then kind of qualify for zero hour days or things like that and and being able to kind of have that flexibility and, and have an extra day off a different time sometimes is, is quite nice and I think that when we're talking kind of really these jobs are quite short term they're all kind of six months to a year and I know there are some kind of two-year posts coming up now um, but I, I think kind of for the skills that you can gain and learn um, even some dental practice jobs now are, you know cover Saturdays and things like that so I wouldn't let the idea of kind of and the typical unsociable hours necessarily put you off a job no okay and obviously you you you've mentioned zero hour how does that actually um translate into a month so if you were on call for example um how would that pan out over a month so it would depend on your rotor and um, kind of the, the rotor coordinators calculate the number of hours that you're doing across a week. So, for example, in my current job, if I've done an on-call day, which for me in my, in my job is a 12-hour day, if I've done two of those in a week, I then get the following Monday off. So I get a three-day weekend, which is lovely. So I get a three-day weekend, um, which uh, comes around once every four weeks, which is, which is great. And actually, for the inconvenience of doing two longer days um, it's actually quite nice having that extra day off every four weeks so it, it definitely depends on what your rotor is but they do calculate the hours um, and uh, there is legislation in place that helps to ensure that you can't be rotored for too many hours or, or something that would deem to be excessive. It is nice having that flexibility and you know I think that's one of the things that people um find quite constraining sometimes in jobs that, that if it's nine to five Monday to Friday it's very difficult to get things done go to appointments yeah. so yeah you can exactly. get sort of stuff done yeah know, outside having of a mid, having a midweek day off is is sometimes really handy like you say to to mm. do the sorts of things that that might you might struggle to fit around a nine to five job 
yeah that's really really quite good in terms of um pay so obviously you're in dc2 now dct1 um presume there's a small increase in pay when you go up to dct2 yeah there is um but uh kind of the main jump i found is that because i'm now doing on-call commitments um those extra hours and, and kind of more unsociable hours translate to to more pay so that's definitely a perk um, and also working in a in a maxillofacial unit means that sometimes there are locum shifts going so you can kind of qualify for locum rates um, and, and you know if you're looking for a little bit of extra cash then you can pick up these extra locum shifts quite easily which which is quite nice to have that flexibility if you if you're wanting to to boost your pay a little bit more yeah no absolutely so basically within that with constraints of the job there is some flexibility Um, yeah absolutely and I think the other thing with cost as well is things like your indemnities a lot cheaper working in in hospital compared to in practice indemnity is a massive cost for people in in dental practice that's for sure Um, it's a lot cheaper when you're working in a hospital Um, and additionally you get a a budget towards kind of studying and courses Uh, you get allocated days for study leave so if you find a course that you really want to do you you get paid leave to do that so as much as the kind of base salary uh, is less than what kind of the equivalent hours would be in general practice um, there are a lot of kind of financial benefits and perks that come with doing kind of a training job and you can definitely advance your skills and, and go on courses and things that, that then end up covered by by your training post and I suppose the other thing um, big advantage is the team that you work with you're working with quite a big team and different absolutely teams. yeah um, so how how was that because you know quite diverse quite multidisciplinary absolutely so I love working with lots of different people and so so it's lovely being in a bigger team you get to bounce ideas off each other discuss kind of complex cases so I think that sociable aspect is definitely there within a hospital environment Um, I've also developed great skills in in kind of working with other departments and specialties and particularly now in my current job uh, you know learning a bit more uh, about kind of medical management of patients and being able to liaise with uh, patients patients uh, medical teams is really important to make sure that you can deliver effective care for patients so being able to have the confidence uh, and understanding the NHS systems which are very complex systems and being able to liaise with their the kind of uh, uh, you know wider teams that are often involved in patient care is is definitely a great skill that that you can pick up easily working in a hospital. Yeah and um were there any particular responsibilities, challenges that you found? Because, you know, every job, it's not all smooth sailing, is it? And it's a completely new environment. Were there any particular things that were challenging? Um, I think I think whenever you go into a new job, it, it feels a bit daunting. And I think even speaking to my friends that go into practice after foundation training, that feels a bit daunting becoming an associate. Um, and, and uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't sit here and lie and say it wasn't daunting to start with because it was because um, even, for example, when you're doing a, a new treatment for the first time or um, when I was delivering sedation, it's, it's something a bit new and it's something that uh, isn't kind of your routine practice. Um, and 
so it can be a little bit daunting to start with um and particularly the main thing i found most daunting was the on calls for maxfax um and understanding how what what is your responsibility the extra treatments that might kind of come under uh, what you're expected to deliver and also things that even we've been trained to do but maybe don't see very often for example you know management of, of an avulsed tooth that you, you learn all the theory for but um, it's something that many people don't put into practice very frequently um, so there are things that are daunting but the main thing with hospital jobs is um, as a DCT is there's always someone more senior than you that is overseeing the treatment and is at the end of a phone if you do need help or, or advice or support. I mean I think that's the main thing isn't it that in those environments it, when it's new or challenging that you're supported. Yeah um, absolutely that's really important. So you mentioned um, you know study leave and if there's courses that you you would like to go on you can get the opportunity and perhaps some funding to do that kind of thing yeah so is is there a sort of driver to drive you in a certain direction um in those particular posts what's the sort of process of getting that approved so um kind of the general rule of thumb is it is it needs to be linked to your post and be useful to your training in some kind of way um and ultimately part of your funding is is NHS based and it's an NHS job so you are expected to be doing something that is linked to you providing treatment to kind of NHS services so for example I think if you suggested doing a a really cosmetic composite course for example um, then you might struggle to get that approved uh, because it, it may not link into your post say if you're in a maxfax post in, at the time so there there is a little bit of um, kind of a degree of limitation in terms of what the topic is um, but but it can be used for for example conferences um, so if there's a particular conference you want to go to um, or, or I'm currently doing a course in in teaching um, so it can be quite broad it can be clinical but I guess the main thing is it is you kind of need to justify how it does link to your training ultimately yeah which seems reasonable I yeah I, I think so I think you know if you as you say if you want to do a smile makeover course that really that's very aligned to private practice so yeah. that's absolutely fair and I'm sure there's lots of scope within your those specialties to do um, courses and upskill so um the teaching course that you're doing um yeah I think we've spoken about that before um and which one are you actually doing so I'm doing a, a postgraduate certificate through Edgehill University um and uh it's it's quite a heavy uh, kind of on the on the theory side kind of course um a lot of essay writing um but it's a very useful extra qualification to have i'll get a, a pg cert in it at the end of the at the end of the three modules that i'm undertaking um it's it, it also helps me when you're in a hospital position there's often uh, teaching opportunities which are great to undertake i think you don't 
know how well you know a subject until you try and teach someone um, you really kind of then can I self-identify where y- your own gaps in your knowledge are if you're trying to kind of break it down and explain it to an to an undergraduate student for example um, and doing a course for me is is helping me to better understand kind of the theories and the way I might structure and plan teaching um, which is really useful because if I do want to stay in a hospital setting um then, then teaching is often a massive part of that. So that's the reason that uh, I've undertaken that course. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of essay writing. Yeah, I know. I know from doing it myself, and you know, various other courses. It's hard. It's hard work because as dentists, we're used to sort of uh, bullet points and not writing in proper sentences. So to have yeah. to go and write essays and some slightly philosophical um approaches yeah is is not always what we're used to because we're used to you know we like facts um, yeah it's it's very different to anything I've done before um and it's taken a while to to kind of wrap my head around it and it is hard work but I'm hoping it'll be rewarding and, and worth it hopefully when I finish finish my final module that I've got coming up yeah absolutely I know it's hard hard work to do those things while working full-time but equally you know years ago um you could you could couldn't really do those things this sort of modular approach to Mm. qualifications didn't really exist but you know it's quite common now so even if people don't do all the certain one go you can split it up into modules which is you know you've got that sort of flexible learning which is yeah it's great and, and I think some people try and do kind of the course I know uh, people that decide they want to be a, a NES for a foundation training um, often undertake a, a PG cert as well but the benefit to doing it in a one of these training jobs is is I'm exposed to quite a few teaching opportunities so I can kind of put that theory into practice which is quite key for some of the essays that you have to write and um, also uh, because we do get this allocation study time I, I can attend the study days a little bit easier I can I can put it around work a little bit easier than I think some people in practice might find and in terms of you, you said there's some um, study budget as well so d- does that yeah. help towards part of the cost yeah so um, I, I think it depends whereabouts you are in the country as to how the different study budgets are run um, but for me when I was in my DCT uh, one year I got part of a module funded and now that I'm in DCT two I've had a whole module funded which is which is great so it takes a lot of the financial burden off because it is expensive to do all these courses and extra training and qualifications so to get kind of the financial support from from the deanery is fantastic um, and uh, and like I say you can use it to whatever whatever you want to put it towards so I think that if you do end up going into one of these DCT jobs it's definitely worth considering at the start of the year what you want to use your budget for because it's it's there for you to use and I think too many people don't don't use it and don't make the most of the the money that's on offer to support your training yeah no absolutely um because as you know how quickly the time goes and if you, if you don't get yourself organized before you know it, you're, you know, six months down the line, aren't you? Yeah, it absolutely flies by. It goes very, very quickly. It goes yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're talking a lot about this um, PG cert, but, you know, it's it, there seems to be there's a strong move for, um, you know, dental hospitals for the staff to have this. Um, so 
for the future, it obviously opens up other opportunities depending on where you want to go. Absolutely. I think it's something that's great to have um, kind of on your CV, whether you want to apply for specialty training or or staff grade or university jobs or or again, be a, a, an educational supervisor in practice one day. So um, it's definitely worth considering. Um, and um, I do think it's got massive benefits to doing it. And it kind of shows credibility about the fact that you have got that background knowledge into teaching to, to kind of you know you don't want people undertaking teaching that that have no idea what they're doing so it's it's good to have that kind of credibility and, and theoretical knowledge to support what you do yeah no it, it definitely helps because there's always things to learn um you know and everyone takes something different from it i think how to give feedback i think was something that i particularly learned doing that because that can be something that really hard to give yeah. good feedback to people yeah um especially when you know you have to you know maybe it's a challenging situation or um it hasn't gone so well um just one so one final thing i want to ask you on the um pg cert when you if you move on from dct job to dct3 um now i i believe that's when the points system starts kicking in with different um so so it's changed a bit because of covid um and it did used to be the case that you had to kind of present a big in paper in in person portfolio but um i believe it hasn't changed back actually just yet and it's still the case that you start presenting a portfolio when you apply for specialty training which you you can start applying for specialty training after your dct2 posts um, and it does always come around very quickly. Um, for example, I've, I've had to put applications in already and it's uh, I'm only just halfway through my DCT2 post. So they do come around very quickly. Um, and yeah, so it's, it is important to start thinking about points and things on your portfolio quite early on. Um, and you can find out the sorts of things that, that kind of give you points and that people are looking for um, just by searching for the person specifications for the specialty you might be looking at. And it gives you a bit of structure if you're starting to think about what courses to go on or what areas you might need to improve or, or kind of evidence a bit more for your for your portfolio going forward. Yeah, I mean, basically what, what you're saying is you need to be always thinking ahead. You need to be at least two steps ahead in your yeah. I think just because it goes so quickly um, and uh, kind of a lot of the areas cover things like leadership, communication skills, um, uh, being able to show that you've undertaken quality improvement projects or or that you've really showed evidence of of why you want to do a specialty, for example, becoming a member of a a relevant society or presenting at a conference. So um, I I think that if you are interested in in a particular specialty that that these are all things that you might naturally want to get involved in anyway but um, I think having that bit of structure and looking at it a little bit earlier than you might think um, there's no harm in doing that. So just probably backtracking actually slightly I suppose um, Covid you were in the the sort of really difficult Covid year um, when practices were shut down and you know a lot of people were incredibly worried you know I've not done enough not had enough experience I'm as an undergraduate and now this year I've not really quite done enough 
And, you know, how is it all going to pan out? I've had such reduced time. And of course, it's, you know, over your whole career, it, it probably doesn't matter, but it seems it's a big deal at that point in time. So I just wonder what impact looking back on, you know, that actually had on you. Yeah. And I do think you're right at the time it was, it was terrifying almost the idea of, um, of how much it was affecting our experience. So it, uh, COVID hit in the, in March, 2020, which was um, just over halfway through my foundation training year. And um, it was really challenging, um, especially at the start to get used to this idea of, of AAA, where we had to remotely assess patients, give advice, and then if needed, do remote prescription of antibiotics, which kind of went against everything that you're taught about kind of relying on antibiotics as a mainstay treatment. Um, and so it was really challenging and it, and it was kind of worrying because that was the point in time where we were just kind of picking up our confidence with working in practice and getting a bit quicker with delivering treatment and treatment plans and it it was it was tough at the time um I think looking back I I learned so much from having to kind of do what I could over the telephone and and trying to reassure people and and kind of manage their expectations and um maybe not clinically developing my skills but definitely improve my communication skills and having to deal with some very challenging people on the telephone um and it was very difficult um I remember when I was then applying to my dental core training year in for for my first year that uh, a lot of people had kind of raised concerns about what the experience would be like in in hospitals and so I know some people started thinking about practice because they were concerned that actually in hospitals it would be a waste of a DCT year because there wouldn't be as much experience um, and as much treatment going on. But I was very fortunate actually that my, uh, my year was actually pretty much up and running when I got back, everything was a little bit slower to get off the ground, I guess. So fewer patients in theater sessions due to kind of fallow times and and changing over. Um, But kind of certain specialties actually don't rely on, on aerosol generating procedures So, for example, orthodontics was pretty much up and running as normal. Oral surgery, it was a bit more of a delay for aerosol generating procedures. But a lot of routine oral surgery, again, was back up and running very, very quickly in hospitals. And additionally, hospitals had access to, you know, better and and more PPE than dental practices. I know a lot of practices were struggling to source the amount of PPE that they needed. So um, looking back, I actually I actually think if anything, the hospital was up and running a lot quicker than dental practices were so I know it was definitely a concern at the time but um, if anything I don't think it 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 negatively affected my experience too much at all. Mm -hmm. I know it's always easy in hindsight looking back when you're in it when you're in it it was a it was a pretty horrible we were everyone was learning from sort of day to day um so yeah perhaps if you'd gone into a restorative post in the hospital you know it would have been a different experience at that point in time Mm. um so you take a certain path and you know you don't know where it's going to take you and then no all of a sudden you're going off and you're doing a pg cert and then you know who knows where you'll end up so i mean i just wanted to sort of mention i listened to a podcast um 
recently and uh, squig it's the the two women who have coined this phrase um squiggly careers helen tupper and sarah ellis um they're career development consultants and i just love the this sort of figure you know this um you can just imagine sort of drawing it afterwards that you know it's not this linear straight line um you know like it used to be people went into practice or they went into secondary care and it was just a sort of a route either way but there's you know there's just fantastic choice now really um which sometimes it can be unhelpful too because you think oh I'm not sure which way I'm going to go but you know eventually you 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 make a decision you go off um, so this squiggly career, uh, they define it as you're not climbing the corporate um, ladder. It's fluid and it can take many different paths. And I think that's that's probably where you where you are. You don't know where you'll be in five years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I do think there are so many options now. And I know a lot of people kind of um and are about about whether to go straight into practice or or, or dental core training or kind of a more academic route. Um, and there are those options available, which is fantastic. And uh, I think personally, from my experience, I, I did know that I wanted to explore hospital options and specialising. And I, I knew that I had a particular passion for paediatric dentistry. And so that kind of made my decision to go into dental core training a little bit easier. But I do think that I know a lot of people that uh, go into dental core training and are really happy that even if they go back to practice, that they, they're not going to look back and say, what if I didn't do that? year um what if I what if I you know regret regret it and look back in the future and wish I'd done it so I think if you've got any doubt then then it's definitely worth exploring your options and like you say it's it is squiggly we don't all end up you know planning exactly where we're going to end up I think when I graduated in 2019 I would never have imagined that I was now doing a a max fax post um that I'm doing a, a pg cert um and so yeah there are lots of things that you wouldn't necessarily originally set out to do but um you kind of end up undertaking these these extra kind of uh, things that you may not have set out to do um, and kind of my plan now I'm actually looking at uh, looking moving uh, working abroad so um, again I, I don't know where I'll be in five years time but uh, I know what I really enjoy doing I've got a passion for um, and and like you say it's squiggly so uh, I think you've got to take the opportunities you get given uh, and see where it takes you. Yes absolutely and and it's sometimes it'd be hard with there's so many choices um and as you say you you know you might go and work abroad and we'll have to speak to you again if you do that because you know that's a whole different ball game isn't it you know how to do that and you know I've spoke to someone actually last week and she she'd worked in New Zealand and she's now back here but you know she went for two years didn't regret it of course one bit just no fantastic experience and I think with the with the idea of a, a squiggly career as well in the same way that when you apply for for if you apply for dental core training jobs you, you rank 
them and you say that would be my favorite that would be my top choice and and you don't always get your top choice but um I think it's kind of having that flexibility and considering all the different options and and you're not always going to get your top choice but it, it you know having the options available and, and seeing whichever one takes you wherever but knowing that you will gain experience and you will gain really valuable learning um as you go I think is is fantastic and I, like I say I wouldn't have imagined that I would do uh, any max facts at, at one point but it is absolutely invaluable and having to kind of cover you know the A&E admissions that are coming in for maxillofacial problems is is a is a massive steep learning curve but one that you know I can definitely translate to to a lot of practical dentistry so oh absolutely I, I don't think you quite realize how much you are learning you just sort of soaking it all up and it's yeah. probably only if you went back to practice now, you would be tackling things at a much higher level, certainly in, in those areas, which you yeah. would have been referring before. So Exactly. Well, I think the, the thing that kind of really made me realise that was uh, kind of every now and again, we get a, a phone call through to if you're on call from a from a general dentist who has a, a, a challenge or a problem that they're not familiar with or maybe haven't seen before. And it was only when I was giving advice to a dentist who had been qualified many more years than I had that I suddenly realised how much I had learned doing a job just even for a couple of months because you understand the NHS system you understand what an appropriate referral is and what the right pathway is what needs to come to A&E and what actually can wait a couple of days and can be seen as an outpatient and I don't think you really realize that until you're on the other end and you're working in a secondary care environment and yeah I think that was the point where I suddenly sat back and I was like I, you know it's advising a dentist who's got you know arguably many many more years experience than I have um, but they're valuing my input and what I what advice I can give them from a from a maxillofacial point of view was was amazing wow that's yeah I mean that builds your confidence doesn't it yeah definitely wow yes pat on the back for that yeah um so I was just going to ask you you know um just a little bit about you know we're always trying to get this balance and work-life balance it you know is it ever in balance but you know all this lots of talk about mental health and well-being and you sound as though you know you absolutely love it so that really helps and but they always quote this those numbers of you know that we're actually going to be working across our whole working life 80,000 to 90,000 hours so it's a lot of time you know you really have to be happy in your work so you know there's lots of written about it people speaking about being happy at work so you know are there any particular things that kind of make you feel really kind of happy and or I suppose give you that passion um I think one of the things that I, I consciously try and do is is have a positive outlook about things even if I'm in work and and something seems really scary or something's coming into A&E that I've not seen before um kind of imagining how interesting it is and and how exciting it is and and knowing that I've kind of got someone there to support me still um and then I guess outside of work uh taking the time to to relax when you can one big thing I've particularly enjoyed is I think 
and definitely valued since COVID is spending time with friends and family. So kind of when I get the opportunity, particularly if I have a, a three day weekend when I've been on call the week before, um, is, is taking the time to visit friends and family and, and just spend time that we didn't get to do kind of in that in that first lockdown. So I'd say that's kind of, you know, really helped me um, particularly and then kind of sporting activities um, kind of outside of work as well. Um, but it's sometimes tricky to fit that in when you when you're really busy doing longer days but yeah so I'd say kind of the main thing is is spending time with friends and family yeah absolutely I think we're probably all like that after COVID aren't we you know it was just the really simple yeah. things of having a Even coffee a with someone yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely very, very basic things basic human need of human contact um so I was just interested, I, did, I listened to another podcast again, which was on this topic, topic and the, the guy who was speaking was um, Lord Mar- Mark Price, and he used to be managing director of Waitrose, and he think he was um, deputy chairman of John Lewis, and of course he's got the John Lewis kind of mentality um, you know, he's bringing that, that, you know, if people are happy at work, you know, people if they're happy workplaces they'll be more productive in a business way but I mean it translates to the NHS as well so absolutely and I do I do think that that maybe kind of that that has been reflected a little bit more in that you know people in the NHS have been struggling because there have been so many staff off sick and things um but uh, I've been quite fortunate in the job I'm in that, you know, we have been well supported um, and it's been it's been a great learning environment. But um, one thing I was kind of reflecting on the other day was uh, one of the programmes I like watching is Grey's Anatomy and, and how interesting I find kind of, you know, things in hospital. And it kind of I was like, oh, well, you know, if I see something interesting, it's, it's almost like people would sit down and watch this because it's interesting. And people do watch a lot of medical programmes and and things like that that and so I think kind of always considering what you're doing is as interesting and fascinating and kind of having that positive outlook I I do think it really helps absolutely I mean it's it's not just a job is it you know no that's so and, and and it's fantastic really if you can think so it's it's no it's not um a burden it's not a burden or it's not a hassle to go to work every day no and I think like you were saying about the number of hours we're we're all going to be working for over our lifetime I think it's worth taking the time to explore what's out there and explore the options and whether that be that you end up in in an NHS practice or a private practice or secondary care or a more kind of academic side of things or or say you do a couple of days in each or or you work in community Um, I, I think it's worth knowing that you've explored the options you wanted to explore to get there um, so that then when you do kind of come to any sort of decision you've done your squiggles and you may be near the end that that you feel that you've you've explored what you wanted to explore and you've not kind of jumped into like you say one straight road if you felt you had to I suppose and the other thing is you know when they talk about this happiness at work you know the sort of money aspect of things is important because you need to pay pay the bills and the mortgage and all that kind of stuff and it depends on what point you are in your your career yeah but but once people have got enough they're always sort of saying the sort of 
the the most important thing is not that it's more the quality of the relationships that you have with yeah people at work or away from work which and is I, I think what you said I think one big benefit I have really found in hospital is is that you do have a almost a much bigger circle of colleagues that you you spend time working with it's um it's not like practice where you might spend a day in a room with yourself and your nurse and your patients um you kind of get a lot of time spent working with a whole group of people it can be quite sociable uh and so uh, as much as kind of sometimes hospital work is challenging and it's not it's not all golden all the time but um having kind of a, a good team to support you and and kind of work friends that you make and having that social circle is is definitely important and makes the day uh, much more enjoyable so I mean I think it's it's really interesting and where you go next with your squiggly line or your squiggly career remains to be seen it's watch this space Um, so we could speak about it for a while but um, I think we probably need to kind of draw it to a close so I just wanted to ask you um, so takeaway points, what, what one thing, one piece of advice would you give, career advice would you give to a student? Um, so I think someone that is a student, I'd say definitely consider all the options. I don't think I even really knew that, that you know, what dental core training was, um, what specialty training might involve, kind of more academic routes. Um, and so I think considering what the different options are for sure. Um, and you can always apply and see and you can apply for, for practice and dental core training and see kind of what job options you get given um, and then go from there and I think uh, also considering what aspects you do really enjoy and are those areas that you might want to consider kind of delving into a little bit further and a little bit deeper um, and and then that's kind of how how I've really come to the realization that I, I do love pediatric dentistry and so that's kind of the area I found that I've enjoyed the most so um, but I don't think you know that until you explore what's out there definitely no um so any other career advice that you found particularly helpful um definitely take uh, every opportunity you get so you know if you do dental core training use your study budget use your study days they're there for a reason they're there so that you can develop and, and use the time that you've got because uh, that is one of the kind of you know massive massive perks over over kind of working in practices that you do have that extra time and and financial support available to do and explore those options that you've got um, and take opportunities if you're working with someone who's more experienced than you what can you learn from them what can you go and observe what can you develop as a skill that they might have that they can pass on to you so I think main thing would be consider what opportunities they are and and absolutely take all the opportunities that get offered to you okay no that's very good advice so we're taking all the opportunities maxing out on that planning ahead yeah planning ahead probably yeah definitely consider definitely start considering it earlier um and start considering you know even if it's a maybe I might want to do that start considering you know what what do you need to do to get there even if that's not what you end up doing and you change your mind along the way at least if you've thought about it early enough then you can start planning for that um and considering you know extracurricular things that that might help to support support those future job applications 
Okay, well, thank you, Jenny. I'm just going to add one more thing. Make sure that, you know, you speak to people, you don't get isolated. Um, I think probably that's another thing that you mentioned. Um, you know, ask people who are in the jobs, what's it like? What's their experience? So um, there's lots of help out there for people who are wondering what to do next. So I think if we draw it to a close, thank you very much. Very insightful very uplifting to know that you know you've enjoy it so much and you've got a passion for it um and you know going back to mark price what he said is that happiness isn't a light-hearted concept um in the work situation he said but it's a serious tool for business um yeah and you know it's not all happy every day it's hard to yeah. but it yeah. can still be happy work um yeah so I think maybe we should end on that point and you know just thank you again and um, I look forward to hearing what happens next and so thank you for everyone who's listening there will be some resources at the end which we have discussed today and then please can you just um, you know share any of your feedback and um, join us on the next podcast on the next thank episode you. thanks very much Let's Chat Dental with Anne Budenberg, talking about dental careers and squiggly careers in the UK. Don't forget to like, rate and review this episode.